started getting high and then and then the pills started coming around the, the uppers and downers the quaaludes the mandrakes the whatever it was i wanted to take it and then and then at 16 i started doing coke and i got hooked on that bad and then i started joining gangs because my dad was never around so i needed to i needed love from someone Welcome to Pencil Leadership. I'm Chris Anderson, success and lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world. So if you're ready, take out your pencils and let's begin. Robert Kennedy said, only those who dare to fail greatly can ever achieve greatly. And Lou Holtz said, show me someone who has done something worthwhile and I'll show you someone who has overcome adversity. This is episode 129 with former gang member and drug dealer turned distinguished Toastmaster, author, and motivational speaker, Israel Hernandez. If you want to be a part of making a difference in the lives of others, make sure you share this episode and leave a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, and together we can leave a positive mark. Ah, thank you so much for having me, man. It's an honor and a privilege to be here with you, bro. It's it's it really is because of you. I started my podcast too. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a cool thing, man. Just to see where you've where you've gone since those those first kind of introductions and and everything, and being able to keep up with you. And um, so yeah, super excited and and humbled that you're on the show today. And thank you. And I know a lot of people are gonna, you know, I think resonate with your story a little bit and and what you've been through and what you've done, and and then also just like holy cow, <laughs> Israel. And that's crazy. So, um, yeah, to, to kind of start us out, I know, I mean, I know you have uh, a backstory like everyone else, siblings, you, you grew up, but but your mom is a special lady, right? Oh, yes. My mom raised six boys on her own. You know, she's my Captain America. She's my Superman. She's the greatest hero of all times. You know, she was the person that gave me a very strong work ethic, you know. I dropped out of school, got my GED. I grew up in the fields working as a migrant worker. Uh, so, I mean, it was hard life for me. You know, I, I, it was hard, but you know what? At the same time, I enjoyed it, you know, because I, I met a lot of people from all over the country, in the fields. I mean, I was, I was like between six and 13 years old when I worked in the field, but it taught me a lot of lessons that I apply now. It's funny how we complain as kids, but now I've learned to really apply the principles that my mom taught me growing up, you know, being work on time and, and just give a hundred percent and whatever you do. And, and the most important thing is uh, having a very strong work ethic, you know, that's something that my mom embedded in us, having a strong work ethic. So ever since that, I always been work ethic. You know, I've always loved to work. I've always loved to work. I love having things. That's and so starting. I mean, young as a migrant worker, I'm sure there were so many challenges. Just I mean, being one of six brothers for one, <laughs> and then being a migrant worker. So, did you have any do you, like any stories resonate or? kind of stick out in your mind that were big, just like learning moments for you that you're, you look back on maybe like, I see your see a big smile right now. So I'm sure you got some. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of learning moments. I remember one time I was like around eight years old, 
and we were picking watermelons. And back then, I mean, the watermelons back in the 70s and 80s were like around 20 or 30 pounds. They were big watermelons, huge ones, because they were huge. And I remember one, my dad one time, he said, here, roll it, roll it to the truck, because we need to roll it to the truck, and men will catch it and put it in, in the truck to go sell them at the supermarket. And one day, I remember, I was rolling one, and there was a rock right in front of the watermelon. And I was telling my dad, Dad, I can't, I can't move. I need help. My dad says, no, figure it out. Figure it out. And I said, Dad, no. I want to get the watermelon to the truck. Because I was raising with other people, you know, because other families had their children also. So everybody has their own, uh, everybody had their own line. So, uh, so, so uh, I was rolling it and, and, and there was a rock and that rock uh, and, and that rock, I mean, uh, and that rock, but they said, figure it out. So I went around the watermelon and I said, hmm, how could I get this thing out? So I was thinking, so what I did, I went, to, I went and I got a, 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 a tree trunk, a tree. And I started digging around the tree, I mean, I mean the, around the rock. Started digging in it, digging in it, digging in it, digging it, until I digged it. I put my hands under the rock and I pulled the rock out, and I covered the whole back and I rolled the watermelon all the way to the truck. And my dad says, "You see, son, you gotta think. You have to think." And that's one of the that's one of the special moments that I still carry with me today because when the problem arises, think. How can you solve this problem? Instead of complaining, how do you solve this problem? That's and that's a great point. And and I know just along your journey, like you've run into a lot of different things that you've had to, you know, figure out and a lot of obstacles that you've worked through and, and overcome. And so what what is what all have you been through? I know uh it's been a journey, man. And so I'm excited to to have other people hear this story and 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 then get the book because you, you go so much into that. And so, so what other things have you had to overcome and accomplish along your journey? I started doing drugs when I was 11 years old. My neighbor started telling him, Hey man, you want to smoke a cigarette? I said, yes, but it wasn't a cigarette. It was a joint. It was a marijuana joint. So after that, I started getting high and then, and then the pills started coming around the, the uppers and downers, the quaaludes, the mandrags, the whatever it was, I wanted to take it. And then, and then at 16, I started doing coke, and I got hooked on that bad. And then I started joining gangs because my dad was never around, so I needed to, I needed love from someone. So my gang members, my friends, they were they were my brothers, my sisters, my moms, my aunts, my uncles. Those are the ones that encouraged me, even to do wrong. They still encouraged me. They, they, those are the ones that gave me the hugs, the kisses, the the, the pat on the back. The, I love you so. Yeah, it's because I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be loved. And those were the people that loved me. Uh, and then I got hooked to the, the drug that I told people to stay away from. Crack cocaine, man. Stay away from that. That was my God. That was that was the wonder drug for me that took me from here down. I mean, I sold everything. My whole check will go. I will beg for money. I will steal whatever I needed to do just to just to get my head on that rock, you know? Uh, I lost a lot of respect from people. I burned a lot of bridges. 
And February 14 of 2004, I decided to turn my life around. I came to San Antonio. I just picked up my stuff, have a couple of hundred dollars in my pocket, and took out to San Antonio, man. Boom. So did, did, were some of those bridges, I mean, are, do you still have relationships with your brother and, oh, and yeah. I know with your mother? Yeah. What about your father? My father passed away in 97. Uh, in 97, um, and, 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 and 97, in 97, but he was never around anyway. So when he passed around, you know, when he passed around, uh, I mean, when he passed, he passed like a friend, not like a parent. You know, when he, when he passed away, I cried because he was like mostly as a friend, not like, uh, not like, a, uh, like a father, like, you know, and the next day I just got over it, you know? Really? Not, so yeah. you never, you never were able, were able to kind of reconcile that relationship at all. We, it's funny. It's funny because, uh. It's funny because uh, when my mom was in the hospital, I still had a lot of bitterness and anger because I still wanted a father in my life. I still hated him. You know, he still had control over me in the grave. You know, I still, when I would go out with my friends, I would, I hate my damn father. I hate this. It's because I had, because I never knew how to forgive and forget. So what I did one day, I went to the grave and I yelled at him. I screamed at him. And then I and then I said in the end, I said, Dad, I forgive you. And ever since that, I've been free. I've been free of that. I he has no control over me anymore. He has nothing no more. He's you know, that's yeah, he's it's, it's crazy how forgiveness a lot of the times when we forgive people, it, it's a lot more just it's for ourselves, you know, for our healing, for our, our process of moving forward more than there. Sometimes they don't even know like, Oh, okay. I did something, but it eats at us. And so when we can forgive, it's such a weight lifted off. Oh yes. It's, it's, it's definitely because one thing I've learned is forgiveness is forgiveness is not for them. It's for you, man. Because that, because I carried that monkey in my back for years. I blame everything on him. I'm not educated enough. I never had a good job. My dad never take me this. I, I'm a drug addict because of my dad. I'm a whatever it was. I was blaming on somebody, but I never did them inside of myself. Knew was you know what? It's my choice. You know, I never had a. You know, it's funny because to be honest, I always wanted someone that I could follow. Someone that could say, man, thank God you're my dad. You know, thank God you're my dad. Thank you. Don't know. I I I I follow my dad, but in the wrong examples, you know, smoking, drinking. If my dad could do it, I could do it. You know what I'm saying? Uh and if my dad could do it, I could do it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. You you saw you took the example he had given you and you kind of said, okay, that's who I'm gonna be. I can be better. I can do it better. and Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Definitely. 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 You know what I'm saying? Definitely. And uh, and I regret a lot of things in my life. I'm not going to say no. I've been in probation boot camps, military boot camps. I've been in Lunatune hospitals. I've been in halfway houses. I've been in uh, 
pro, uh, drug programs, you name it, you know, been in jail. I mean, but I'm going to tell you one thing I have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in drugs. Not just tens of thousands, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars in drugs. Yeah, I would, I would lock myself in a room for a week just smoking that thing. You know, I would spend two or three thousand dollars a week just partying out, brother. So you finally had that moment, and you, like you said, you moved to San Antonio. You wanted to basically start fresh, start over, and so you went to San Antonio, right? So what's that process look like when you're in San Antonio? I'm sure it wasn't just a click or flip of the switch and, hey, you know, I'm good now. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a model citizen. I'm, you know, up and up like, uh, but it was a beginning. So what was that process like from that, that change? I spend the night in the corner of Fortin and Bandera by myself in my truck. Okay. Wow. I didn't know anybody. And then I knew I needed to detox. I knew I needed to get all the drugs, cigarettes out of my system. So I rented a room for a couple of days and I just put their condition on and by myself gallons of water. I fasted just to, just to detox. And it's funny because in the room I could smell the drugs. Man, what smells? But what smells? But it was me. I was detoxing all that, all that drug. You know, I mean, I will get, I'm not lying. Chris, I will get a shirt and I will go like this, look. Uh, wipe your arm and all the all the sweat and the drug. I, now smell is God. Uh, it is me. Wow. It's, yeah, I would even even at night when their condition was full blast, I will sweat all the sweat. And then have you ever seen those movies when they uh back in the cartoon days when they somebody would die and they put a shock over the body? Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? That's what the body was. Remember how yeah. they used chalk? Yeah, yeah, chalk line around it. Yeah. Chalk line. Well, what's what I did to for me, when I get up in the morning and you see the white blanket on my bed, you could see my body, bro. All the all the sweat that just teeth up made. Getting all that junk out of you. It took me like at least three or four days, bro. I mean, I just all that detox, all that. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was hard. Oh, I, I, I can't imagine. The first three months was the hardest part of my, because my body wanted that drug. How, how did you stay? How did you go in those months and stay away? Did you I, split back at all? Or no, did you have to? I didn't know anybody from San Antonio. I didn't know anybody. So I didn't know where to score. I, I didn't know where to buy drugs. I didn't know. So it, 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 it was good in a way, you know, it was, I didn't know anybody. So you had the you had the urges, you had the craving, but you you couldn't you couldn't partake because you didn't know, and you just what did you focus on then? You eventually where you're like, okay, I can't get this, so I'm gonna focus on you know something else. Get a job. Okay. So I got a job. I applied all over until Citibank called me. So I was good at computers. So I worked there for for a couple of years, and then I found a part time job, and. Uh, and that kept me busy, kept me busy for a while, kept me busy for a while. And then the and then I and then I was hearing a tape from Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar, one of my one of my mentors that I still listen to him once in a while. He said this, if you want to be a better communicator, 
or tell a story during Toastmasters. I said, what, what's Toastmasters? What's Toastmasters? What the hell is that? So I went online, Toastmasters, and boom, I saw a club called 9434. It's one of the top, top club in San Antonio. So there's different clubs for different people. There's professionals, there's for business owners, but this one was for entrepreneurs. You had entrepreneurs and business owners, and business owners. So that you had in the club you have lawyers, attorneys, nurses, CEOs, teachers, uh, executives. Those. I'm always so I joined the club. No, first of all, let's go back out. I I called the club. And, and this and this guy Scott Avery answered the phone. He was the president of the club, like, and and I told him my story. He told me, "Man, you need to come to my club." I said, "No, man. You have all these people gonna look down on me. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't even own a tie. I don't even own some pair of shoes. He said, just come, just come." So I went and I joined. I sat down and I listened because I told masters. When you join, they give you packages. Back in my day, now it's different. Now it's called Pathways. They give you a package, and each package comes with 10 speeches. So they'll pick two people every Friday. Those two people will go against each other. It's like a speech contest. They'll go against each other, and, uh, and in the end, in the end, we'll vote for best speaker. But before the best speaker... They'll do evaluations. What did you do good and what did you do bad? So I said to my mind, I could do this. Easy. So I joined Toastmasters. And the first speech is called the intro, it's called the icebreaker. In other words, introduce yourself. So I went against Trey. Trey, his name is Trey. He was an attorney. I went against him. I said, man, this guy is going to beat me. I still remember. I still remember. I went. He went first. But he was too stiff. He didn't move around. Me? I was excited, man. I don't know why. Because I was not afraid of the public eye. I'm not afraid of being around people. You know, I'm a people person. I make people laugh. In my mind, I did. In my mind, I thought I did a hundred percent great, but my evaluation was bad. You did this bad, but I won first place. I got a ribbon. When you got that ribbon, because I, I know previously you, you talked about you joined the gang because of that recognition, of that kind of support, of all that. Was that like a, a like a click for you? Like, wow, I can, I, I can find that here. I can have people in a positive community that support me, that, you know, see something in me. Did that ever cross your mind? Yes and no. Okay. Yes, because when I was in the gang, I had people under me. It's funny because I knew how to encourage. I knew how to motivate. I know how to comfort as a leader. I knew how to listen. So I had people that looked up to me. So in Toastmasters, it was a different environment for me. I mean, you, you have... Lawyers, whatever you know, educated. Well, I'm, I have a GED. Was that hard when as oh, you're yeah, as you're practicing? Was there ever a lot of self doubt? Of course. Yeah, I, my self esteem was so small. Mm. But 
I knew and I knew in the heart of heart that I had to be there. Why? How come? Because I needed to grow. I needed to get out of my old way of thinking. I needed to re-image myself. I have to re-see myself different. Don't see yourself no more as a gang member or crack addict or a thug or a bully. No, I needed to see myself as the way God sees me, you know? So I, so I, I joined the club, I joined the club and I said to myself, what's a DTM, you know? Oh, it's a distinguished Toastmasters. Only 2% of Toastmasters get it worldwide. I'm going to get in mine in five years. I told them that. They didn't believe me. A lot of people doubted me. A lot. I went against people that didn't want me in the club. Really? Because I was not educated. Oh, wow. I Because I couldn't pronounce words. Because I didn't dress the part. I said, no, way, man. I said, you know what? I'm going to stay here. And I have people that encourage me. Hazel, you got this. You got this. You got this. So, okay. And I still remember Chris, man. feel emotional, bro. I was in my home. And I said, I'm going to write a book. You know, I'm going to write a book. Friday, I went to Toastmasters. And I still remember it was my speech. It's called Presentation. It's called presentation, any topic. So I broke it down. I had to come with slides, three points. I said, you know what, guys? This time, I'm going to write a book and pop, 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 pop. I didn't have my slides, whatever. Some people cheer. Some people say, yeah, right. So, of course, man. People don't want me to succeed. Yeah, it's funny. So, So what I did... I would stay up to 2, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning writing, bro. You see, just think about it because I'm not on – back then I was on – I didn't know how to write a book, okay? So what I did, I went to go to the – I mean, I went to Barnes & Noble and bought books on how to write a book. <laughs> I met other authors and I asked them questions. Hey, how do you write a book? Just write. How about my chapters? He says, don't worry about those. Just write. Just write. So I wrote. I wrote and wrote, and then I broke it down to chapters. And then I sent it out, got it edited, got it whatever I did. And then I went to Toastmasters again. And I said, hey, guys, this is my manuscript right here. And everybody freaked out. In one month, this book is going to be published, and I'm going to be an author. And people still didn't believe me. It's funny, bro. You could show them evidence, and people will still won't believe you, brother. So, so did you get it published in that month? I got it published last month. It's called Keep Moving Forward, The Seven Keys to Transform Your Life. I sold over a thousand books. What amazed what amazed me is I'm gonna be totally honest, man. I've never said this before. Is I was so proud of myself, bro, that I still doubted myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? I was proud of myself for accomplishing, accomplish, accomplishing, but I was still not proud of myself because I didn't, I did not please the people that 
they don't want me to succeed. Mm, you still gave them power, kind of. You gave them power, man. That's one thing that I learned that I had to learn to let go. Yeah. It can be hard. To, you know, it was hard yeah. because I wanted to please them so bad. Yeah. I wanted to be in their little group. Right. And when we give that energy to them, it, it detracts from us oh, yeah. and what we can do more. Oh, yeah. yeah. Until one day I said, no more. No more giving people my power. No more giving people permission to run over me, man. No more. Because now, now last year, my plaque came in. It's because it took a year to get it because of the pandemic. Okay. I'm an author. I'm a distinguished Toastmaster. I started my uh, my coaching business called uh, Army of God Coaching and Consulting just because I made a decision, man, to change myself, to change my life. Yeah. And what was that like when you when you got the word that you were going to be DTM Distinguished Toastmaster? What what was what was that like with all that you know negativity of people not wanting you to do it, not thinking you could do it, even from yourself some. What what was that moment like when you found out that you're going to be in top two percent of all Toastmasters? Oh, brother, you know what? They can't say anything to me no more, man. Because you know, no, no, no. If I go to any club anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, it doesn't matter. It could be in China. It could be in Australia. It could be in New York. I could go into any conference. And say, I'm a distinguished Toastmaster. And they will give me the respect. They will see me different. They will treat me different. Especially when I tell them that I'm an author also. It's like, what? You, a DTES, sir. Here's my plaque and here's my book. And the first thing that comes out of their mouth is this. What college did you graduate from? What degree do you have? Degree from the school of hard knocks, right? The hard knocks, <laughs> baby. Hard knocks. That is, it's just so, so cool just hearing your story fully. I mean, I've heard parts of it, obviously, as we've talked in the past. And, but yeah, just everything you've been through and had to overcome and the steps you took to keep moving forward, like on your journey. And, and you continue to do that as you're, you're building this brand of uh, your armor of God coaching and consulting. Um, and, and continuing to, I'm sure there's more book ideas in the, in the future and speaking engagements. And so, um, it's just fantastic what you've done and how you've made an impact in people's lives just from your story. Um, and, and pencil leadership, the fifth trade is that we're all created uniquely with a purpose and with potential to leave a positive mark on the world. Uh, and so I'm curious kind of, as we wrap things up with this, when everything is said and done for you here on earth, what do you hope your positive mark is? There's two things that I've learned in this world. My book is dedicated to my mom. In Spanish, you'll say, adelante, mijo, adelante. That means keep moving forward. I've been through so much, bro. I've been, I've been shot. I've been stabbed a couple of times. But my mom will always say, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. And one of my favorite scriptures of all time is this. All things are possible for the one who believes. And I was reading it today. All things are possible for the one who believes. 
It don't say some things. It says all things. And that I, I, I carry that scripture deep in my heart, my friend. Every time I, I'm in the I'm in the I'm in the valley or I'm in the lows, I I always go back and look up that scripture and say all things are possible for those who believe. And you know what? Everybody's hearing me out there, man. You could do it. If I could do it, you could do it. Amazing. The, the the mark of keep moving forward. I think you're you're building such a good legacy with that. And so, uh, again, Israel, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, where besides the link in the description and the show notes for your book, where else can people connect with you and uh, see what you're up to and 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 find out more about you? They could go to uh, uh, my Facebook, Israel Hernandez, because I'm redoing my whole my whole website again, they could go to Facebook and go uh, called the You Are Powerful to look me up. Uh, I'm doing the whole thing all over again because one thing I learned in business, you grow. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, I thought my first website was bad. Cool. But now that I've grown, like, man, I have to change the whole thing around now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, or you know what? If people have any questions, you could email me at israelhernandez1563 at gmail.com. Get connected with Israel, guys. Again, go get his book. Just the the motivation, the inspiration from, from his story and his journey. Keep moving forward on Amazon. Again, link in the show note in the description here. Uh, but Israel, so thankful for you being on Pencil Leadership today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. It's an honor and a privilege to be in your show, man. Thank you again. And thanks so much for tuning into this episode today. If you found value at all from this episode, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It just helps us get this show, these messages out in front of more people. And don't forget to share this with someone who you think could benefit from listening to as well. Now let's go out and be pencil leaders.